20s, uh, got saved when I was 18, immediately moved down to New Hampshire with youth, youth storm. And I guess youth storms now like reorchestrated come, come back. The dynamic of youth storm, yeah. So spent two years in the discipleship internship program and then stayed down there for eight more years. And um, the, the youth storm dynamic and culture absolutely transformed my life from, you know, I was saved for like seven or eight months and then moved down there. And um, what the reason I'm saying that is, you know, it just brings back so many memories, but I really want to, um, as, what's your name again, bro? Yeah, Dustin, thank uh, Tommy and Wesley for taking their weekend to do this. I also want to thank the Messinas for taking their weekend to do this because what's on my heart is I don't before I do anything just to just to express I'm, I'm just recalling how much um, key figures mattered to me in this se- that season of my life that 20 something later teens early 20s and I uh, on the way here I was thinking like man it was like the it meant the world when um, adults and father and mother figures would would take us on trips. The the, the interns it it changed our lives, and it's not a light thing. They could be doing other things, and they're not because they value you and they value they value God's work in the kingdom. It's not religious. They brought you here part, but that's a big deal, and it's worthy of pointing that out. Because that's what changes lives is when others lay down their lives for your sake. And uh, so thank you guys also for just bringing the crew and and giving opportunities for changed lives. And we've already heard it this morning. Yeah, the crew. Um, so, yeah, just, uh, you know, just want to teach a little, but, you know, it's, it's amazing, and I, I say this all the time, it's amazing what God is doing in this season of church history, in this moment. Um, it's profound that we're living right now. It's God-ordained that we're living right now. Uh, make no mistake about that. The book of Acts tells us that God has determined our boundaries, our habitation, meaning the place where you live. He's de- he's foreordained that you live where you do right now. In the town you do, where you do, around the people you do. He's ordained that. And he's ordained that you live in this season of world history and in this season of church history. There's nothing religious about your life unless you want religion. God's not religious. It's not happenstance. It's not religion. It's not rote. Oh, I'll just throw them in 2020. No, there's such divine purpose in this season, and therefore, there is divine purpose in your life. And that has to quicken you, and and I'm being quickened again in my life over the last year and a half, saying, oh my God, you placed me in 2020. You placed me in this season of world history. And it's not arrogance, it's confidence. It's a big difference, but you got to get confidence, and you need a revelation and you need to grow in revelation, and I need to grow in revelation and conviction about the season I live in so that I can cast my life before his throne. End of story. That I would forsake my life because the hour we live in demands it. It's not an option. 
It's like the dividing line of reality. There's cold and hot. It's like the middle ground's disappearing. And it is. It's disappearing. It doesn't work anymore. Religion could suffice for his people for a time, but it won't work in this hour. Religion won't work in this hour. It's broken. It's a broken system. It's man-made. It doesn't profit. doesn't profit you. doesn't profit the church. doesn't profit the world. doesn't profit the Lord. It's flesh. It's man. But there is a profound moment we live in right now, and it requires everything. It requires your whole life from the inside out. No rote, no traditions. Heart. God loves you with a whole heart, and we must love him with a whole heart. He said this is first and foremost. This is first and foremost, Jesus said, that my people's hearts are alive and growing in love for me. I'm a wholehearted God, and I will have a wholehearted church. He will, and he's gracious about it. He's so good about it. He's for us, not against us. When he requires or even demands something, it's always grace-based. It's never, hey, I want you to, I'm calling you higher, and I'm going to leave you to yourself to get there. Aren't you glad he doesn't do that? Sometimes it feels like that, like God's called me to do A, B, and C, and there's no grace for it. But that's just your feelings. It feels like there's no grace. I feel like I'm going off track here, but there's something on here. So anyway, I'll get to this. But I say that because it's profound what God is doing in relation to the function of his people. Because God has predestined, foreordained, pre-designed. God has designed the church to function as a house of prayer. And, it, and I'm not, don't mistake me, I'm not saying that every church looks like IHOP Kansas City because they have a local church in addition to their 24-7 house of prayer. So just keep IHOP out of your mind even while I preach because we always go there. And that, that is an amazing thing that God is doing. But the church is to function with a culture of intercession and worship. We cannot do what God God has called us to do without functioning as a house of prayer and a house of worship. Jesus has married intercession and worship to missions. To God, they're inseparable. And unfortunately, to much of the church, especially in America, we've separated them. But they're coming back together. God's bringing these two things together. Because if we could reap the harvest that Jesus spoke of, we would have done it already. Because we have all the books, all the systems, all the churches, all the wealth, all the ministries, all the agendas. We have everything necessary in our own strength and might and wisdom to get that thing done for God. And we haven't done it. Because this peace is coming back to life again. God is restoring the function, the essence, the platform from which we will disciple nations. The platform from which God will send forth laborers into his harvest field is intercession and worship. It doesn't have to be 24-7, but it does have to be heart level, and it does have to be ingrained in our cultures. And God's seeing to it that we don't miss that. And if we have, he's calling us back again. And if it's 
completely void and never been part of certain churches, God's releasing his word to call the church, hey, get this thing functioning in prayer. A culture, it doesn't have to be 24-7, but a culture where it's ingrained in the lifestyle of the body of Christ. And we carry intercession for our cities and regions and nations. It's of utmost importance. And that's really happening again on a heart level. The reason I started the way I did is because you live where you do for divine purpose. And intercession and worship has everything to do with us shifting these spiritual dynamics over our cities and regions. We have to move stuff around through intercession and worship because powers of the air have dominion on the earth in certain regions and cities and nations. And our intercession and worship moves stuff around. Daniel, a young man, and his three friends, young people, gave themselves to prayer and fasting. In fact, all he did was stop eating sweets for 21 days. And you know what God did. A young adult, probably 20-something, I don't know, do you know? Okay, well, he's, he was right around there. There's, there's all kinds of different opinions about that, but he was a young man. And he stops eating candy, okay, and starts praying for the nation of God's people. And God, in response, takes his hand and starts rearranging the spiritual chemistry. God starts rearranging the powers of the air because a young man stops eating candy and starts praying a little more. That's biblical. That happened. Listen, we think, oh, no. That, that's not really what happened. Couldn't have been. No, that is exactly, explicitly what happened. A young adult stopped eating sweets, starts praying three times a day for the nation of God's people and the trouble they were in and the transition they're about to face. And God says, oh, wow, now I have agreement on the earth. Now I can do what I said I will do because there's somebody agreeing with me in intercession. Someone on earth is saying yes. Someone on earth says yes and gives me some more attention so that I can do what I said I would do. Because there's things God does independently of you every day. And there's things he'll never do independently of you. There's things he'll never do without the cooperation of the body of his people. Because he has a design, a divine design. And it's pleasing to him. And he's a lovesick God and his intimate relationship with his people has everything to do with intercession and worship. And when we function in that manner, truly and honestly, and we grow in it, stuff happens. You read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. This is God's design. And when we do it and we say yes to it and give our life to it, and again, it looks different for different people, but ultimately speaking, just at the base level, when we say yes, to a life of intercession and worship, stuff happens that wouldn't have happened otherwise. God starts shifting things around and changing things. But the thing that's burdened me more so as of late is that God, this book of Daniel reality where God will reorchestrate the heavenly atmosphere over regions and cities. Why? To loose the hold of the powers of the air so that people who have been blinded by the God of this age, can see the light of the gospel, can hear clearly and see clearly. We just prayed about this the other night, right? 
this blindness over regions and deafness to the preaching of the gospel. We can't reap harvest without preparing the atmosphere. The preaching of the gospel will happen underneath and from the base of intercession and worship. We prepare the atmosphere so that when the moment comes, when God on a dramatic level in the days ahead, not too far off, sends laborers to begin to open their mouths in every sphere of society, we reap harvest. Truly, this is, this is the Bible, and I'm, I'm done aiming at anything else. I've aimed at other things, but when you're humbled and you just take another look for the millionth time at the scriptures, you learn something new. When you think you understand something, you know, you shut yourself off from further understanding. And that's just fresh right now. This is of utmost importance. You know, and I'm tasting that firsthand in my own heart. And, the, and there is a cost to this. But it's not, it's not, it's nothing in light of what's coming. We have to see what's coming down the road. The, it, it is the hour to stand before the Lord for the place you live in, for the city, the region, the state, the nation, and to give your life before him as a voice. And stand watch. And allow that prophetic spirit to come and inform your prayers and worship. And that kind of worship and prayer is going to shift atmospheres. Literally. That's happening. It's amazing. And uh, amen. So I'm big on this morning just touching on the why behind the what. Because, uh, you know, if, all, if we just talk about uh, worship and prayer, you know, it's not something we just go and do. You know, if you just try to go and do this thing and give your life to that just without vision, it, that's, that's fine. I did that, and I was sincere, and I wanted to do it, and I was burdened and gripped for it in my 20s, and I, I just, it, it so often it led to exhaustion because I didn't have a full paradigm or view of the why behind the what. I'm burdened for intercession and prayer and for the word of the Lord, but what's this whole thing about why? And part of the why we just touched on, it's way bigger than personal enjoyment. That's the prophetic ministry is so much more. I love what Wesley was talking on earlier, prophetic maturity. It's so much more than personal enjoyment. This is about the purposes of God actually unfolding and flowing through a body of people into the earthly arena and changing things and saving lives and setting people free and preparing the church for the Lord to be his bride. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the why behind the what, um, I'm going to try to consolidate this, but, you know, again, God has designed us to be a house of prayer, Isaiah 56, right? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus comes in John chapter 2, and what does he do? He goes into the temple Right, which was to be a place of intercession and worship, priestly ministry to God, giving him the glory, being about his business. And instead, the entire temple is full of their own business, the business of the people, the people's business. Right. And Jesus goes in and unapologetically deals with it, <laughs> not because he's mean, but because he's a jealous lover. 
His anger was love-based. It was love-based when he took those cords and drove them out. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. End of story. <laughs> Get to it. Come on. I'll do it with you. He's the great intercessor. So God has designed this thing. Um, you know, let's see here. Jesus, in Matthew 6, he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we take a glimpse at what's going on in heaven, I love to read Revelation 4 and 5, right? And you study those chapters, those early chapters in Revelation, and you will see the actual reality of what's happening at the throne of God. This is no, this 66 book, this isn't uh, just poetry. It's not imagination, it's revelation. It's not the concoction of a man's mind or multiple men and women's minds. It's the mind of the Lord. And he gives us a snapshot in Revelation and Ezekiel and Daniel and Isaiah, and they all see the same thing. They all seem the same reality happening in heaven. And it says in Revelation 4 that this never even stops for a moment in heaven. That they do not cease to stare at the beauty and brightness and glory of this heavenly Father, Abba. Right? You said Abba earlier. That's the one your spirit, was it you? You. That's the one your spirit's yearning for in Revelation 4. That's the Father Hebrews calls him the father of our spirits. John stood before him as a mortal man and fell down as though dead. His, his mortal body couldn't take it. You mentioned that earlier. Uh, there's a day our bodies will be able to handle it. <laughs> but his body couldn't handle what he beheld. And he saw the Father Almighty and the Lamb of God in the center of the throne. And he saw the seven spirits of God burning as seven lamps before the throne of God, and he falls down dead, and he says all they say is holy, and they never stop. That's all they say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Isaiah hears them say in addition to that, and he heard them say, and the whole earth is full of his glory. And he also fell down as though dead. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. That's what he said. That's all he could say. You know what he said next? It's, about what, it's what we're about to say. We are about to say in this generation what Isaiah said. His next words after saying, I'm unholy, you're holy, end of story. He says, here am I, send me. That's what we're about to say in this generation. Here am I, send me. Laborers sent into the harvest fields. Jesus said, pray for me to send you out there with power. That's what Jesus said. Pray to me to send you with power and anointing and love out there to do what I do and to prepare nations to come into the body to be saved, healed, delivered, 
and presented to Jesus as a bride without spot or wrinkle. That will happen. That's what he died for. He died for completion. He said, it's finished on my end, and it's going to be finished on your end by my grace, by my passion for you. He's going to do it. He's going to reap harvest. He's going to reap his bride. Am I way off track, Wes? Help me. Yeah, I'm way off. Am I still talking about prayer a little? Yes, thank you. Okay, so Okay. Here's another reason or a divine reason behind prayer and worship and why God is after cultures of prayer and worship. He's after you guys assembling together in your cir- circle of worship, acoustic big, doesn't matter, basement. We did it in a basement for for a decade. We did it in Sean Foster's basement for a decade. Yeah, yeah, back to the basement, baby. The basement. Man, that basement's got a lot of snot and tears in it. It does, tons. Yeah, oh yeah, then then you are going back to the basement. All right, that's real. So wherever you are assembling yourselves together, saying yes to God, saying, oh, wait a minute, I don't want to just go to church. I don't want to just be in a Bible study. I want to serve God by the Spirit, in the Spirit, and, and still go to church and be in my Bible study. I want to add this missing element, or I want to grow in it because it's in my life, but I want more of it. But I want to be functioning in the ministry that is inseparable from what God is about to do in the world. It's inseparable from what God is about to do on the earth. Intercession and worship on the regular. You know, you start one night and you go to two, and you go from two to three, and, you know, maybe it just stays there. That's cool. Some people do 24-7. I don't know what we're doing here, but we got a couple of weeks. We're doing more, yeah. But whatever you're doing, understanding the worth and value in the realm of the Spirit, that you're assembling together for intercession and worship is so profitable to you, to those around you, to the world, to the church, etc. God is enthroned upon the praises of His people. God is enthroned on the praises of His people, Old Testament and New Testament. When his people begin strumming their guitars and hitting their drums and uh, playing the spoons. I used to play the spoons. Just kidding. Um, Yeah. But I've always joked about playing the spoons. It's just been my little joke. I'm a dork. Anyway, um, when, when his people sing and strum and beat the drum, right, and begin creating a culture, an atmosphere, and a yes to God, all of a sudden he begins to sit and ride on that song, that worship. (laughs) He does. He's a living one. And he is enthroned presently in Revelation 4 right now as we talk about this. God is enthroned in praise. They never cease. Right now there are harps being played in heaven. 
There are instruments in heaven, yes, that we have on earth. They're being played. Intercessions going forth. Elders are falling down. Living creatures are crying out to the living one, (laughs) God Almighty, right now. And that's what he's enthroned in. So take that for a moment with what I'm saying here. That's why it's of utmost importance. Because when we do what they're doing, he comes. That's he's inhabiting their intercession, the, the father. And when we begin, he just he's like, all right, keep it going. Come on. I'm going to sit on this in that word enthroned. Psalm 40, uh, Psalm 22, three, that word enthroned. God is enthroned upon the praises of his people. It means that God comes and sits down as a judge and releases ambush. He comes to deal with stuff. Look at Daniel. Daniel starts praying more, stops eating candy, stops delighting his flesh so much, starts praying, and God sends forth heavenly hosts, right, and sits on that intercession and begins to move things around that man cannot move around. He did it. He's doing it. And it's going to get much more dramatic than we see right now. It's going to get it's going to get amazing. We're already seeing him do stuff. We started praying a little more. We we did what Daniel did. We we just started talking on the phone when COVID started and God was doing th- things that we hadn't even talked about cuz we just kind of shut the world shut down, right? And we just got talking and I'm like that's what I'm feeling. And we, the three of us, Tom, Wes, and myself, we decided we'd gather here for a couple nights a week and believe God for revival, unashamedly. And people people can scoff and roll their eyes and say, revival, come on, that hasn't happened in forever. And that was for them. No, 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 no. No, no, that, that is absolute priority. <laughs> and, and so we just said, hey, let's make it a little bit more of a priority. We started meeting. And we started to ask for some specific signs in the natural to confirm and encourage us in our yes to God. We said, hey, we want to give God a couple more nights. And my flesh was like, man, that's another night. But it was so worth it. And we saw some amazing stuff, really awesome stuff happen. So know that God is living and alive and he's going to function through your assembling together in worship and prayer. Whether two or three or 20 or 30, doesn't matter. There was three of us here. And God, it, those were some of the powerful, most powerful prayer meetings I've had in years. For real. Um, it, was, it was awesome. And, and we had, we've had more of them since. We're going to have even better ones in the days ahead. So God enthrones your praises. It's not poetry and an idea. It's real and it'll happen Give yourself to this place and watch it happen. Where all of a sudden, just life as normal is going on, but you're saying yes to God and you're giving him more time. Time is of the essence. Give God time in prayer. Give God time in worship individually and and together. And watch what happens. There will be divine moments that change your life forever. And you'll just say, oh, my God, I never knew this. Oh, my God, I never saw that. And, and you'll be telling everyone around you, you won't believe it. Six of us got together Friday night, said yes to God, simply. Just God, we're going to give you a couple hours. We know it's not much. We're weak, but we want more of you. 
and you're going to say God blasted us. God struck someone in the meeting with a word, and when they gave the word, we all wept because the spirit fell on the room. This happened, and, and I don't want to say past tense because it does still happen, but we lived in like this pocket for like 10 years in youth storm where daily encounters were happening. I'm talking every day someone was weeping in the presence of God or convicted in weeping and repenting, getting healed, delivered, gripped by the spirit, hungry, revelation in the word, just because we just said yes. We were weak, broken. I was a dork and um, still am, but, you know, we just said yes. Like, I'm hungry for God and I want more, and he's just so good. He loves the yes and the hunger. That's what he's looking for. He'll deal with the rest. Just say yes. Give yourself time in the Lord and watch what happens. It'll mess everything up in a good way. Here's another scripture. Wesley sang the, a piece of this scripture this morning. Is uh, Psalm 47, verse 5 to 8. God has ascended with a shout. Right? He en he's enthroned on praises in Psalm 22. And here he rises up in the midst of your intercession. God has ascended with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Put that in your belly. Psalm 47, verse 5 to 8. Put that one in your belly. 47, verse 5 through 8. Psalms. That's King David saying, wow. When I was learning to strum my harp all alone with the sheepfold, and I thought not a soul on earth cared. I was rejected, overlooked underestimated, forgotten. God did not underestimate me. God did not overlook me. God had not forgotten me. Though I was alone, the Lord was with me. And he taught me that he sits on his throne. And when I begin to strum, and when I begin to sing, his government is released through it and shifts earthly dynamics. And that's what he's saying here. He learned this in that place. All those things are lies, guys, girls. They're lies. And they're lies because the enemy knows if you believe that God has forgotten you and overlooked you and underestimated you, the enemy knows you never give yourself to the place of prayer. Why would you? That'd be the most boring, depressing place to be. And he has dozens of people convinced and so they don't go into their inner room and pray to their heavenly father because they're deceived by the evil one the accuser and they live at a distance from their father they're living under the dominion of the accuser rather than the dominion of their father that ticks me off you know why it ticks me off because i did it because i know it too well i used to live there I don't anymore, and I never will. It would be impossible for me to think that way. Because like this 
guy right here, the truth made me free. And truth is dispelling lies from you to get you into the inner room. Matthew 6, brother. Go into your inner room and pray to your father who sees you in the secret place. He sees you. He's attentive to you behind closed doors. Go there. Don't let anything stop you from going there. <laughs> That's true for all of us, but I just, you know, the truth is setting him free. Jesus. All right, got a few more minutes. Let's see here. All right. Say one more thing on this note, we'll go onward. When you begin to come together as a group for more of God, this is this is how I love to explain what's going to happen. Is you're going to go from omnipresence to manifest presence. From yeah, God is with us. He's the Lord who is with us. Omnipresence intellectually understanding the doctrine, right? Which is good. But that's to release us into manifest presence where we know the living one of that doctrine. Omnipresence to manifest presence. In other words, experiencing this God of glory, our Father of glory, the Father of my spirit, right? My eternal life, the one fathering me in eternal life. His presence. That's that's the shift. So like, you know, I can just go on and go to church and do ministry and community and all that and never get to that place. Because I did it. You know, because of lies I was believing and the devil and myself. And, you know, it, it, it happens, but we can't stay there, guys. We've got to shift into sonship identity. I wish I was here last night. I heard that it was very powerful. It's, it's fundamental for you to stay in that secret place is knowing how he sees you and how he feels for you. And uh, that'll keep you there, as Wesley said earlier. That's the fuel, you know. So, amen. Let's see here. I don't do so good with notes. Let's see. share a couple more scriptures. Just want to state a few things about the New Testament reality. Um, that this thing, because a lot of these prayer and worship realities in the Bible are old. They're in the Old Testament, right? And so we just think, oh, that was then. This is now. Oh, that happened way back when, but I'm in today. Those snapshots are there to reinforce us in this age of the church, for real. In fact, those two of the most prominent house of prayer scriptures carry over from Old Testament to, to New Testament. Isaiah 56 carries over into the New Testament, the New Covenant. And that's that, that burning reality of Isaiah 56 is what drove the Messiah into the temple in John 2. That Isaiah 56 was written on the heart of Jesus. And it, it, 
thrust him into the temple with jealous love for his people to be who he's called them to be. And it moved in my house to be called a house of prayer. So Jesus says this is a New Testament reality. And the other one is Amos 9-11, the promise that God will restore David's tabernacle, which, by the way, was a day and night expression of heaven. The worship and intercession of heaven, God catches David up in a revelation and actually shows him how he's to build the temple and how he's to station the priests and the singers and the musicians. First Chronicles 28, 19, David tells us, God made me understand while I was writing in my journal how to build the temple and how to station watchmen and women and intercessors. See, this thing, the why behind this, guys, is God. That's why. Because God has ordained humanity, his new humanity, to do this. God has designed intercession and worship, and he'll see to it that it takes place. Large scale, larger than we see right now, and it won't stop. So Amos 9-11 carries over to Acts chapter 15 as a New Testament promise that God is restoring the tabernacle of David to bring in the harvest. You see how it's inseparable from the harvest we're all believing for? The tabernacle of David, Acts 15, is for the Gentiles, the fullness of the nations, to come into the body of Christ. It's to prepare the earth for the preaching of the gospel on a level we haven't seen yet. It's coming. It's coming. It really is. We all know it. We all feel that and believe that all over the world. Okay, 1 Timothy 2. I've been spending time in here. This has been my latest study. 1 Timothy 2. It just slapped me in the face one day. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 2.1, Paul says this. First of all. Write those three words down. First of all. Because now we're talking priority. Now we're talking something of tremendous importance to God, to the Holy Spirit, and to Paul. We're talking about God saying, hey, Timothy, a young man again. Daniel and Timothy are my examples. They're God's examples. <laughs> They're God's examples. He tells Timothy that wherever he goes, to teach and to establish churches. He says, he says, release house of prayer reality. He says, teach the importance of intercession for the heavenly and the earthly. Teach the importance of intercession for the natural arena, especially of leaders and authorities on the earth. And then he tells him why. He says, because God desires all people to be saved. He says, Teach the church to live in intercession because God wants people saved. There it is for the third time. We cannot separate the intercession of the body and the harvest of souls. They are inseparable. So he says, God wants all men saved, right? And then he says a second reason. He says, and 
God wants our cultures to be in tranquility and peace. He wants our cities and regions to be under peace and settled in godliness and dignity. Isn't that amazing? So he says the intercession of the churches was to create change on the earth in an environment that's godly, though we know the whole earth isn't going to be that way, but wherever we're interceding and believing God, there's more happening than otherwise. Things are changing. Peace is being released. God is on the move. So that's another New Testament snapshot uh, of the why behind the what. Knowing that when we gather, we matter in the realm of the spirit and in the natural realm, both. It's the way he does it, right? At least at the base, you know, and then he positions people in spheres of society, your workplace, business, government, politics, education, you name it. But from that base, they go forth by the spirit with divine revelation and conviction that's moving them to work in that arena and shift the culture and prepare people to hear the gospel. You know, how many times have you shared the gospel and it falls on deaf ears? I think every time for me, <laughs> pretty much. But for real, like it, it, should, it should burden me like I need to pray and believe God more. I need more faith. I need more truth, more revelation. I need an anointing that when I open my mouth, it releases a different spirit. And they either get saved or if they don't, something gets into them that starts to grow. And maybe I'm the one planting the seed, but a week later someone waters it and they come to eternal life. Like believing God for this, guys. Like the why behind the what. Like what, what else are we going to do? Just hang out together? We've done that long enough. What else are we going to do? Go to church? Build a ministry? We've done that long enough too. We do all those things. We do not stop doing those things. But this additional piece, as you see in the Bible, is of utmost importance to God and to the apostle in this passage. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, you know, the other thing we touched on a little is being sure of a few things here is just really signing up to say yes to this thing. I mean, uh, have you seen a little snapshot or a, or a scriptural view of why pray? Why play my guitar for hours? Why come together and say yes to God and give him another day a week? Do you see the biblical dimension of, oh my, it's, it's, it's awe-inspiring. You start to see this picture that God has painted about his house being a house of prayer, and it's you just you'll say yes on another level. It provokes you to say yes on a new level and to cast your life into this thing unreservedly. What it makes you say, What else would I do? Like, I'm bored. What else am I going to do? I'm going to stare at the picture God has painted in scriptures and just say yes and begin to play the guitar, begin to sing more. Begin to fast and pray more. Begin to assemble together more, two or three or 20 or 30, and let God breathe and move and inspire us. No? 
we c- we keep doing it the way we've done it, or but I don't want to. <laughs> Amen. That's all I have. And then, yeah, whatever you want to do with just practicals or functioning, that's up to you. So good. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've heard y'all, it's like we're so stirred, right? Because it's hitting right in our spirit. We're like, let's do this. Um, It's so good. Joe, thank you. Thank you, thank you for just pouring out. Because, I mean, that was just a wealth. I felt like it was being imparted even into me again, just this, this burning to do this, right? I know that when I come... And we gather together, and I'm, I'm, I'm playing the keys or whatever, and I'm singing. There are two realities happening to me, and I'm going to speak to the, how many of you play uh, instruments? How many of you sing? Raise your hand if you're any of those. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, almost the whole room here. God, it's something we've been praying for that's been burdening my heart for the past month is that God would raise up and multiply musicians and singers so that we can have this reality happening wherever we are, that that's what he's doing. The reason why you practice your instrument, the reason why you play, is so that we can cultivate this culture wherever we are, that there'd be more musicians and singers releasing the word of the Lord over regions, over your location, wherever you are, because it's affecting the spiritual realm. So when I'm worshiping or leading in a set, there are two realities that are happening for me. Uh, The first reality is that I am looking at Jesus and his worth, like I've said a million times already this weekend, his worth is provoking me to worship. It's pulling me in. It's drawing me in. So that's the first reality that's happening for me. I'm seeing him and I'm saying, you are worthy. I must worship you. I must give everything out. I must pour it out all, everything that I have. The second reality that's happening for me, and this is while I'm leading, but also while I'm just in a room worshiping corporately, two things, that that beauty and holiness of Jesus provoking worship, and at the same time, I'm tapping into the spiritual realm, like what Joe was saying, what's happening over a region, what's happening over location, because in Ephesians 6, if you read in Ephesians 6, it says that we we don't fight, we don't war against flesh and blood, but we war against principalities, spiritual powers in heavenly places and our worship is an act of the spirit that wages war in the spiritual realm and so as we're as we're worshiping him first reality he's worthy he's worthy it's provoking us to worship second reality is okay god i'm going to declare i'm going to make a declaration that's that's not going here it's going here It's going right up into the spiritual realm, and I'm going to open up the spiritual realm so that heaven can come down. And that this is the partnership that we have with God, with our instruments, with our voices, with our dancing. It's not, I mean, it's every act of worship as we gather together. When I teach on prophetic worship, I'm saying anything we hear or see the Father doing, releasing it in the earth simple. Anything that we hear 
or see the Father doing, and we're releasing it in the earth. So you might see a dance, and you need to release it in the earth and realize that we are spiritual. We're, we're coming. We're waging war in the spiritual realm. So it might look foolish naturally, but who cares? We're doing something spiritually to break into the spiritual realm over a location. So when God called Tommy and I to Maine, and we moved here, like we got married and moved into here from our honeymoon. We just moved to a new place, planted ourselves here, and the first thing that we did was start worshiping a couple times a week from this building, just us. I mean, we invited, we let, we let it known that we were going to be here, but it was just us. Like Joe was saying, it doesn't matter how many people you have. The Bible says you need two, just at least two, two or more. <laughs> you know, you don't need, it's fun and it's awesome when there's 20, 30 gathered in faith pounding, but you need two. Gather together and start pummeling the spiritual realm with worship, with high praise, exalting Jesus, putting him in his rightful place, adoring him because he's worthy. And really, those are the places. I've shared some of my story with you guys. Uh, uh, the reason why I mentioned pride last night was because I've, I've dealt with that in my life in a great degree where I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be heard, even on my instrument and even in my singing, in my worship. When I was at Street Life, I started leading worship, and the director told me I needed to stop for a season to deal inwardly, to get into the secret place, because for me, it was all about show. And he saw it and loved me enough to say it. And I stopped publicly doing it, publicly leading for a year. And I went into the secret place, and I started to engage and encounter God in a real and intimate way where it was not about the people. It was not about, you know, how, how uh, uh, being seen as this star with my beautiful voice and my ability to play. It was not about that anymore. It was about worshiping Jesus, the beautiful one, the worthy one, and it, that's all that mattered. That is all that mattered, and it, it, it totally uh, broke open something in me that when I did pick up the guitar again and start playing keys again, something erupted from my inside because of something I cultivated in the secret place with God, and it has to be that way. It has to be what our secret place is going to reflect in the, in the natural realm in the public place the overflow is going to be poured out it's going to be poured out and we need to seek first that place in him and with him and for him alone and out of that place we erupt in the spiritual realm so that no matter where God calls you and plants you, you have this ever-flowing well. You've tapped in, you've learned to drink from the source of living water, and you can flow wherever you are, no matter who's there, no matter who's not there, because there's a source that you've tapped into. You can do it anywhere. And this is what we're after. There is a generation of young people that God is awakening to worship and to pray. Because like Joe was saying, now is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time. Do not hesitate. 
Do not hesitate. There is a song in you that needs to be released. There's a sound in you that needs to be released. When, when Tommy gets on the drums, do you know that his instrument, I can sense things that are happening as he's playing prophetically on his instrument. There were times in the Bible that God, uh, that, that King sent forth. There was one time that they sent forth the worshipers. They were going out to war, real war, where you kill each other, right? War, not spiritual war, real war. And you know what the king did? He said, send out all the singers and the worshipers. And they went out before the army singing. How foolish. They went out before the army singing and worshiping. And you know what happened? It caused confusion in the enemy's camp. They heard a loud roar coming from Israel. And they turned on each other. And they all killed each other. And the enemy fell because of worship. This is a natural war. How much more a spiritual war that as we go out with praise and adoration and worship, playing sounds, releasing songs from our instruments, Instruments that the enemy is going to turn on himself and kill himself and will be left worshiping the king of glory because he's worthy. He's so worthy. So release the song. Do not hesitate. We're going to go out as a company of people and you have a choice. Will you join this company of people? This is the hour and this is the day to decide what are you going to do with your life? How are you going to pour out your life? How do you want to live your life? Because there's a company of people that God is raising up in this hour with a shout of praise that's going to turn the enemy and kill him. And there'll be victory over God's people. And he's inviting you into it. He's inviting us into it. He says, come, come be part of what's happening. You have a part to play. You have a song. You have a sound. Each one of us has a sound that's to be released in the earth. There are so many opportunities. I mean, for you guys living in New Hampshire, you have the meetings that you have. My brother Noah just got here. He has Freedom House of Prayer. They meet every Saturday night, erupting in prayer and worship. Did you know that's like right where you live? Join together with others to release it, to learn, to join with others of the same heart and same mind. They have prayer furnace. Are you going to the places of prayer and worship to release? Release your sound corporately with the body so that in New Hampshire, whatever state that you live in, that what Joe was saying, it's shifting the spiritual realm just like in the book of Daniel. This is the same God. We serve the same God. And he's just looking for partnership in the earth. Who will say yes? Who will say yes? Who will burn for me in the earth? Who will burn for me in worship and intercession? Who will burn for me? He's searching to and fro. He's looking throughout the earth for a heart that is wholly his. It's fully given. There's a yes. There's a yes. And I don't know about you, but I am 150% in. I'm 150% in. God, you have my yes. God, you have my yes in worship. God, you have my yes in intercession. There's opportunity all around us. 
And this is the hour. There's urgency on this. There's urgency in the hour. There's urgency. We don't have time to waste. This is what we've been talking about even as our church community. We don't have time to waste. We must stop wasting time. We need vision, prophetic vision for the hour. And that's what fuels it. Like we've been saying the whole time, it's what fuels it. So we're going to, I just feel like a, a shift. I know Tommy has, there are practical realities to this, how we can flow together. And you're going to have so many opportunities. But I want to pray for Maine while you guys are all here and we're all fired up for intercession. Uh, we're going to just start to worship a little bit. If you have an instrument that you're feeling good enough to play on, just play. If you have a, if you're just a singer, we're gonna sing. If you don't, and you're just, you want to pray, we're gonna pray. This mic's gonna be open, but we're gonna learn to play and flow together in the place of intercession and worship. We're gonna practice what we've just been talking about. We want to do it. I don't want to just hear about it. I want to do it. There, we have opportunity even right in this moment to cause a shift. Did you just hear what, what, what we've been talking about? This is not just words. It's not just it's awesome preaching that makes me fired up. No, it's real. It's real that we can step into it right now and begin to go straight up into that place of the spiritual realm with our worship. I don't know if Joe or Tommy, you have some things to add to that. 